All right, guys, as promised, we are lucky enough to be joined by Kuka Heel, the great host of Locked on Pistons, who has been going through it this year. And I say that, Koo, not, not, not from a making fun of place. I say that from a I've been there for a long time place, and I empathize with you. How you doing, man? Um, uh, and how's the season going for you? Uh, the season is, is getting better, uh, but it was definitely it's, it's, it's been rough, but I'm doing good. I think you did you did a smart thing. You you embraced it. You got the Darth Koo moniker going on Twitter. You were you were diving in. And I think the show, if I'm I know obviously a lot of your listeners listen too, this is a crossover, but was blowing up throughout the whole losing streak. Like not not good for the Pistons. I don't think it was the worst thing in the world for you. No, it definitely it definitely wasn't the worst thing in the world for me. Outside of having to watch it every night, that was rough. <laughs> but the show, it 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 helped. It definitely helped some. All right. Well, uh, ho- hopefully us over here, not not to jinx anything going on with the Knicks, because we, we all know it can get bad quickly. But uh, ho- hopefully we're a sign that there is absolutely light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm hoping Quentin Grimes is that light for you guys. But before we get into him, I, I want to talk about your old friend, our new friend, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, let's just start. Let's just start broad. What, what are the Knicks getting in him, particularly on the offensive end of the floor. And can you explain to me and, and people who, who haven't had the opportunity to watch him every night, I'm recording this before a second game, but but when people listen to this, he'll now be two games in on the Knicks. How is he such like an efficiency monster despite being old and, and pretty slow? He's he's a very, a very clever scorer. Um, first of all, he's an amazing shooter, whether it be spot up, off the dribble, he's just an amazing shooter. So that makes up for a lot of it. Um, but he actually is. This this is something that when he was traded to the Pistons from Utah, I did not know was in his game. And it's something I've watched for the last two years. He is, I'd say, a pretty damn good scorer overall. Just whether whether it's getting to the paint and scoring, whether it's scoring at the rim, whether it's off you know post-ups, whether it's on dribble pull-up middies, whether it's dribble pull-up uh, three-pointers, whether it's off-screen threes, whether it's movement threes. He, he, on offense, scoring-wise, I'd say there's not um, not much he can't do. And his size helps him a lot with it. Um, he has a really long wingspan, so I think that helps him a lot too. He has a quick release. That helps him a lot. He knows how to use his body and his strength to really shield off defenders. He gets the ball up on the glass very quickly um, before defenders can get around. He knows how to shield defenders away and use the, use the rim as protection. So he's just an overall very savvy, very smart scorer. Um, and his obviously him just being as good of a shooter as he is, opens up a lot more things because defense have to play up tighter on them. It it opens up a lot for him. But I think overall you guys are getting a fantastic score um, for his age, for his usage. Um, now there's, there's some other things that maybe won't be, won't be loved, but when it comes to scoring the basketball, for sure. I, I, if he, if he scores, I know like last two years, a lot of people have considered this like the last best two years of his career, the last two years mm-hmm. in Detroit. Um, so if he keeps scoring at the level he has in Detroit, I, he's going to be a pretty damn good scorer for you guys. What do you and 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 this is this is a, again sorry that this this will come off as an insult, but I'm not not trying to make it that way. What do you think of him as a big game scorer? I know he hasn't had a lot of opportunities to do that for the Pistons, but the one I zoomed in on was that game against the Celtics where you guys were trying to avoid the record, and and it felt like I mean Kate Kate as well like. I thought that was a weirdly telling and high stakes game for a team that is obviously not going to make the playoffs this year. And and he, he sort of shined in, in that type of setting. So like you said, there hasn't been many big games for Detroit over the last two years. 
What I'll say is that game he was fine, but there was another game, I believe it was when Cade had 43. Mm. Twice, I believe. There was two times where Cade was really trying to snap that losing streak. He had 41-43, and he and Burks did not show up. And it really, it, it was like, it was a really, really tough uh, game to watch because Cade was doing everything he could himself. If he could have got any help, uh, they would have won the game. So, I mean, I, I guess the losing streak in general were like big games once it got, got past like 20 because it's yeah. like we don't want to be the worst team ever kind of thing. Um, I, what I The best way I can analyze it is how he played at the end of close games with the Pistons and how he played in, you know, clutch, clutch uh, situations. Boyan is someone who, if, if you set him, if, if you go to him to score, he should be fine. If you go mm-hmm. to him to like hit an off the screen three or come off off the pin down and hit a, hit a shot, like he can do, he'll, he, you can rely on him to do that, whether it's the first, second, third, or fourth clutch time. Like you can rely on him with that. If you are going to him at all and, and putting him in any kind of decision making role, you're going to run into problems. Like at the end of the games in clutch situations, there were often times where the Pistons would put the ball in Boyan's hands in a situation where he come off a pin down. It wasn't open. He dribbled back out and now we're in a pick and roll. And that now that if he's not going to score off it, you're in bad trouble. You're, you're in bad waters because he's not going to play make. He's likely not going to make the right decision. And if he does try to pass it, he's not he's not a good passer. It'll, there's a good chance he'll end up in a turnover like that kind of thing. So I, I don't think he's going to like, you know, go Joe Harris on the Knicks, like in, in the, in the playoffs with Brooklyn. I don't think he's just going to go like 20%. I, I, I don't expect him to start missing shots, but like if you put the ball in his hands and expect him to do something with decisions, you're going to run into some tro- problems. You're probably not going to be happy about. You, you mentioned um, his ability to score off the dribble. This is a great stat I saw from AOP. Um, underscore NBA on on Twitter, um, who put together a, a series of great Boyan stats, but 25% of his shots this year came off three to six dribbles. He's shooting uh, 49% on those looks. And, and that is like, a, a, like, I think a significant number for this Knicks team, given that Brunson and Randall have been like literally the only two guys who can effectively create shots at any type of volume um, off the dribble. We saw in that first game, maybe he'll do um, even more tonight against the Rockets, but in that first game he was going against Tyrese Halliburton, a mismatch. Like um, I, I know you mentioned as part of his package, but like, what is like, what kind of shots does he like to get to? Is he, is he usually doing that to get to a pull-up? Is he doing that to get to the rim or, or is there like a lot of variety in his off the dribble scoring? There's a lot of variety. He's like, I, I can't, mentioned this enough and i think nicks fans unless he just falls off and and you know I, unless that happens i cannot stress enough that he's just a, a very versatile scorer and something again like i said it's not something i was expecting at all coming when he came to the pistons that he was going to be someone who could get to the basket who could draw fouls i think that's another part of his game too that nicks fans will probably like he draws fouls he knows how to flop he knows how to grift like he's gonna he's gonna get free throws He's going to score from the mid-range. He's going to score at the rim. He's going to score from the mid-post area. You get a mismatch on him, he's going to punish it every time. If you get a, a smaller guard on him, he'll, he'll get to that mid-post area. He'll hit a post-fade. He'll drive him to the rim, draw a foul. He'll take two dribbles in, bump him with his shoulder, and then step back with a midi. Like he can, like I said, pull up three. Like he can go, he can score just about in every way possible. He truly is a really, really good scorer. Um, to add on to your point, Synergy has him in the 85th percentile on dribble pull-up jumpers. That's from three and two. Um, just The dude's just a, a flat scorer. He can score the basketball. He can shoot the basketball. You guys are going to get that from him. You guys are going to enjoy his scoring. 
All right, I'll throw I'll throw one more uh, great number in there. Out um, amongst players who have taken at least two pull up threes per game, he's second in the entire league in terms of shooting percentage from three. 45.8%. He was first uh, before uh, that initial game on the Knicks. Maybe after tonight, he will be first again. You, you, you mentioned not the strongest playmaker in the world. Where, where do those weaknesses come into play? Is it is it if he has a mismatch and defenses send a second defender his way? Or is it more so if like a defense is already in rotation, he doesn't kind of quickly recognize what the next best pass is? It's both. So if yeah. he gets doubled, he's not going to be quick to make the right read. Um, and oftentimes he makes inaccurate passes mm. out of those situations. And then in the rotation, he's off and no fall of his own. Cause he's such a good scorer, I guess, but he's, he's in just like, if he gets the ball, it's, it's score mode. Like it's just, he, that's where his mind is and he's going to go score. So by the time he gets to a point where it's like, you know, the defense has, has keyed in on him and the shot's not there. He's unpicked up his dribble. Now, now it's it, by the time he realizes anything or he's trying to look for someone else, it's too late. And now you're in a tough situation late in the shot clock or, you know, now the offense is out of rhythm. So it, it's really both situations. Him as a playmaker is not a good one at all. He is not he I would go as far as to say he's a straight up bad playmaker. Like I think that I think he's a poor playmaker. Um, but just how lethal of a shooter and scorer he is, he makes up for it uh, yeah. to a certain extent, you'd say. And I, I think the good news is on the Knicks, he's going to be asked to be more of a play finisher, but you also got to imagine again, highest stakes games, best defenses. Like there, there are going to be moments where he's going to have to make the right pass and he's going to have to do it quickly. And and, and those could be inflection points in terms of whether or not Tom Thibodeau is going to have him on the floor in those moments. Perhaps the bigger one though, is his defense. Um, I remember messaging you early in the year and I was, we were, we were kind of mulling going over some fake trades. And I think one of them involved Bojan. I was like, all right, man, how bad is it? I, th- I think, I think the word you used might've been horrendous. I gotta, I gotta go back and look, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good review. Um, He was, he was fine on the ball. I thought his first game as a Nick, Um, but obviously that wasn't the most telling sample size. Like, do you think it's going to get to a point where let's just say they're playing the Celtics? Like, and is it just Jason Tatum, like calling up his man to screen over and over and over again until Tom Thibodeau, throws his hands up in the air and, and takes him off the floor? Or or do you think like he can hold up just enough that the Knicks can play him substantial minutes um, in, in those biggest moments? So this is why when the, when the Knicks traded for Boyan, I was a little bit shocked. Like, I was a little bit like, I knew you guys were interested in Alec Burks. Like I, I knew that was probably going to happen, but when I, but when it was like Boyan also, I was just a little shocked because he's, he's not someone I would expect Tom Thibodeau to like, and he's not someone I would expect Tom Thibodeau to play a lot of minutes because he is going to be very, I, I'm if he is what he was the last few years in Detroit, he's going to be very bad defensively. There is moments for a long stretches where it was, it was a, it was a constant conversation in the Pistons community. And e- even this past game, when they played against the Clippers, Boyan was one of the, it was probably the Pistons best scorer. Mm. They traded two of their best scorers in Burks and Boyan. And they look better than they did all year against the Clippers with Fontecchio, with um, with with uh, Troy, Troy Brown Jr., with Shake Milton, with those guys. Because, yeah, maybe they didn't bring what Boyan brought offensively, but they weren't just giving up 30 points basically on the other end as well. Um, so if this to give you anything of any rotation player that played for the Detroit Pistons, he had by far the worst on off difference defensive rating wise. He had a minus 8.7 difference. This, the team's defense was 125.0 defensive rating when he was on the floor. When he was off it, it was a 116.3 defensive rating. The only person who was close 
that played rotation minutes of Jaden Ivey, who's over seven points away. So it, it's that big of a swing for him. At least it was in Detroit. Uh, it's not going to be just on-ball defense that he's going to struggle with. He oftentimes, I don't want to say lack of effort, but just like zones out defensively. He won't make the right rotation. Um, he won't class, crash the glass sometimes. Um, there'll be like, there's a lot of times with, like an assignment or or a game plan was like to switch or something. Mm. Pistons played a lot of switching and he would just not switch sometimes. And then they would look for, back and forth at each other. Like what just happened? Like, why didn't you switch? And they would be like a little going back and forth. Like I, defensively, he's not good at all. So I'm interested to see how much Thibodeau plays and how much, maybe he, maybe he locks in defensively with the, with playing for a great team. So maybe that helps. But yeah, through two years, it was a legit discussion about yeah, he's a good scorer, but is he actually hurting Detroit when he's on the floor? Yeah, I think I think there's always a, a school of logic. All right, just wait till he gets on like an actual good team. He'll he'll start trying. And I'm I'm almost more so the school of thought like if you don't use it, you lose it a little bit. And I'm wondering if like at 35 for a guy who I guess at one point was tasked with guarding LeBron James, but that was that was a long time ago. Um, if he still has that capacity. Tibbs is Tibbs is fascinating in that like he is he is Mr. Defense and yet like over the course of his career he's tended to prioritize guys who can just put the ball in the bucket and he said so much faith in his scheme and usually just so much faith in in whatever his his, his rim protector du jour is um that they're going to be able to cover up for things and the good news is the Knicks are going to have 48 minutes of great center play and they're going to probably have the best rim protecting help wing in the league in OG Ananobi and that that's where I think the Knicks were comfortable making this trade and they thought they were going to be insulated against it to some extent. But I still wonder if like when push comes to shove, he's more of a 20 minute per game guy than a 35 minute per game guy. And, and maybe the truth is ultimately somewhere in the middle. Today's episode is brought to you by Hungry Root is your partner in healthy living. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. Take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root. We'll get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipes, recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal taste, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions and choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and much more. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Save hours planning, shopping, and cooking. Hungry Root delivers food you'll love. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked on NBA Listeners, 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you at HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn. Between those two. And we're going to continue to watching what he's going to bring to New York, Baku. I I, I kind of want to uh, go back and forth a little bit on Quentin Grimes because he um, – He's just flat. I mean, similar to when they traded Emmanuel quickly. I was I was heartbroken because he's he's one of my favorite Knicks. Um, how how excited were you um, when you got the news, or, or or were you not excited and saying, "Oh, this wasn't enough of a return for those two guys"? Um, so I, Quinn Grimes was a player that a lot of I, I saw a few people in the Pistons community for like a few weeks saying that could be someone the Pistons target if they make a trade with the Knicks, and I, I think as of right now, there's a split. 
feeling in the Pistons community mm. on Grimes. Um, I am on the higher end of him. Uh, I, I think he fits what the Pistons are looking for. I think he fits what they need, like next to Cade, next to Ivy, next to Asar, next to Duran. A guy who can spark it from deep and play some defense. A guy who can shoot and not be a complete liability on the defensive end. Um, that's what their biggest problem was. They had guards who could play, who could score and not play defense at all. And then they had some guards that could defend but not score at all. Then they had some wings that could shoot but can't play defense. Like they could never get anyone who could just do both. Even if it wasn't at a great level on both, they had they didn't have anyone that could at least do average on both, and it was killing them. Um, so they got Quinn Grimes, and I think that. I think a lot of people are excited because they view him as a two-way player. Um, I have a question though. It seems like that he fell out of favor with the Knicks this season. Why? Why was that? Did he fall out of favor? And what was going on? Why did he? Why did he fall out of favor with Tibbs? Well, I think I think the starting point was when the Knicks decided to sign Dante Divincenzo over the summer. And that was a pretty clear message to Emmanuel quickly and Quentin Grimes. Hey, one or both of you are, are not long for this uh, Madison Square Garden world um, because he was he was brought in to, I, I think, is just insurance for like when the Knicks found the right move, right deal to move off of one of those two guys. So I think just from a psychological perspective, like that got this season started on a really poor foot after he was like he was just so clearly one of Tom Thibodeau's favorites as a rookie. And I think he was he was injured at the start of both his rookie year and his second year, if I'm remembering correctly. It was possible his rookie year. He wasn't just quite ready to play it. But then he came out and like had something like 30 points, like his first real action against the Hawks, hit six threes. Last year, he's hurt to start the year. So Evan Fournier is starting ahead of him when it seemed like Tom Thibodeau wanted to start Quentin Grimes. And then Tibbs, from that point forward, like fell in love with Grimes, like would not take him out of the rotation. The only time that faltered a little bit is after the Knicks got Josh Hart. And, and they were playing Josh Hart over him in the playoffs. And then it finally clicked for Tibbs. Hey, we need some shooting on the floor. And and lo and behold, he plays like 46 minutes game five against the Miami Heat. Um, makes a big impact, even though he couldn't make a shot all postseason. Um, but I say all that to prelude to this year where he was given the opportunity to start. But I think from the very beginning of the year, he was looking over his shoulder, playing with Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, three guys who are shoot first, shoot second, shoot third was not ideal for him, and he just wasn't able to get into any kind of rhythm, um, wasn't shooting the ball nearly as well as he shot it post-All-Star break last year, where we can talk about that. He was absolutely cooking around 45% from three, eight attempts for 36 minutes. He was he was balling um, and just didn't really seem to have added anything meaningful to his game in terms of the ability to, to beat a closeout and get to the rim, to create for others. And I think that combined with DiVincenzo playing really well pushed him to the bench. And then there were, there were still moments, like especially after going to the bench where he looked really good and he looked improved, but it was just a little bit too inconsistent. And I think Tom Thibodeau is someone who prioritizes knowing what he's going to get from guys night to night more than anything else. And because of that, even though I, I think he really likes Grimes as a player, I, it's certainly a fair characterization to say he fell out of favor. So if you, if, if it was from, from a Knicks perspective, do you expect Grimes to go on and be a good player? Is is there like, do Knicks fans and people who watch the Knicks feel like he was one of those players who, yeah, he's probably going to get traded, but we won't be surprised if when he gets traded, he's going to be a really good player. Like, for example, Killian Hayes has got released. There's no hope. Mm. There, there, No Pistons fans believe, <laughs> oh, well, he's going to go on and be like a good player. Like, that's not the same feeling. Is there a feeling amongst the Knicks, Knicks fan base and amongst those who watch the Knicks that he was kind of just like, you know, he had to go like it was just like 
if we want to get that next piece, he's going to have to go. It's not because we don't think he's going to become a good player. It's just he's the guy that would have to go. Um, I've been saying since his rookie year that I, I think he's going to have a 14-year NBA career, which is an extremely rare thing. Like I got it. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I got to imagine it's probably somewhere less than one percent of the guys who come into the league every draft like stay that long, maybe one or two percent. Like he he just has a skill set that every team needs, right? Like you you said it earlier. Like he's no questions asked. A good defender at his best. He is a borderline elite defender. Like the only thing he's really missing on that end of the floor is is like elite length and and height at, at only six foot five. Um, I'm I was I was torn when the Knicks made this move because I was really excited about the shooting and the creation that Bojan and Burks brought to the table. And frankly, I thought I thought they were necessary for the Knicks to do anything meaningful this year, despite the fact that. Maybe just after Cleveland, they've been playing like the best team in the NBA post the OG and an OB trade. It didn't feel like that offense would totally translate to the playoffs just because they didn't have enough creation. And when you have Jalen Brunson like smack dab in the middle of his prime, having maybe not quite an MVP level season, but at least over the last 20 games or so, an all NBA type of season, you, you kind of need to go, if not all in somewhat close to that. And I think the decision for Leon Rose was ultimately our, that our draft equity was going to be more valuable in it. Like when they do make that all in move, this is sort of a perfect middle ground of acquiring a contract in Bojan that's tradable next season, but a guy that can also help the Knicks win now. And I, I think the combination of those two things was just more appealing than Grimes upside and what the Knicks would ultimately have to pay him. If not this summer, then the following summer, but in terms of like what he's going to be as a player, I don't really have any questions that at the very least he's going to be a competent rotation guy. And that is just sort of the floor for him. And there's still room for him to be something quite a bit better than that. And, and it was, it was just sort of the timeline for the Knicks and, and because the timeline of the Pistons made a whole lot of sense for them to go and get him. I guess the final thing I would ask is the, the Pistons are in a, in a, in, at a point with their team in this season where I, I just recorded a podcast for, for I think by the time people listen or Monday's episode mm-hmm. um, that you know, the Pistons for the entirety of the season didn't even have an NBA rotation. So simply just adding players who are NBA players, not even great ones, not maybe not even above average ones, but simply adding NBA players is going to make such a big difference. And you saw that in the Clippers game. They played the Clippers all the way to the end. And a lot of it had to do with the fact they simply could play a rotation that had NBA players on it. I say that to, to ask the question, is Grimes just going to be an NBA player? Is he just going to be like one of those average players? Or is there a higher upside with him? Does he have upside in creation? Does he have the ability to attack closeouts? Does he does he have any secondary uh, creation or playmaking? What what is it about? Do you expect him just to be a three and D guy? It, like what what is it that you you see with Kareem Grimes? Is there any kind of hope for an upside or, or or him to become more than just a three and D guy? Or is that more so what you you should expect from him? It, it's a complicated question, and it's one I've, I've probably spent an uh, un, unhealthy amount of time thinking about, borderline uh, institutionalization levels of time thinking about. But because I, because I love, I, I can't, I can't reiterate this enough. I, I freaking love Quentin Grimes. <laughs> I'm going to be watching some Pistons games too. You might, you might have me hitting you up in the middle. Of, hey man, Fontecchio's <laughs> drop coverage, not, not where I want it to be right now. Um, but um, and before, before that happens. Um, I, I do think there's upside there. I think this season was a bit of a dent in those feelings just because we I think we all expected him to come back and say, all right, is this guy on like a Desmond Bain 
like trajectory. And to be clear, like expecting that was looking at things through blue and orange glasses. Like he, he hadn't quite shown that, but like go back to the numbers post all-star break last year, which at the end of the day is a pretty small sample. So what it was 16, 17 games, um, maybe, maybe more. I don't know. It was his last like eight, maybe 20 games or so this season, but again, shooting something like 45% from three, Super high volume, like per 36 minutes was putting up something like, I don't, I don't quite remember, but like 21 points, four assists, four rebounds. And what was so exciting about him last year was that he was pretty consistently attacking closeouts and he is super explosive. Like, like it just looks like a NASCAR revving up when he, when he's blowing by a guy, he's really good at the rim last year, shot 70% at the rim. And this is I'm watching RJ Barrett, like clink layup after layup. I'm like, why isn't Quentin Grimes getting to take some of these shots? That would be pretty cool. He, he's like pretty athletic there. The one weak spot is like, he, he literally only knows how to use his right hand there. And that's another thing going into year three, you were hoping would shift. Nope. Still always right hand left side of the rim, but he is strong. Like you will see him occasionally go up with like a bigger defender. And you're like, all right, he's about to get swatted and he'll take that contact. He'll just hang in the air and still find a way to finish the, the fly in the ointment in that is that he was just, he was seemingly like afraid to attack the basket this year. And I think, I think he just didn't want to make a mistake with DiVincenzo playing so well and looking over his shoulder, but he, he would constantly pass up opportunities to go to the rim. When he went to the rim, he would like, um, Benji Ridholtz, who does a really good job covering the Knicks and doing film breakdowns, like he would he would phrase it as like he would always drive to pass. And 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 those passes would be available if he was genuinely driving to shoot, but defenders could always tell like he was just trying to go for a jump off. And he's a creative interior passer. But if a defense knows what you're doing, like you you could you could be Steve Nash and you're just not going to be able to get that off. So I think for him, it's all about leaning his game in the right directions. The final thing I'll say is I thought his first two years he profiled as someone who was going to be maybe a top 10 to 15 shooter in the league. And this year he's tailed off. He's hitting 37%, but those shots have been pretty wide open this whole year. And I would have thought, all right, if he's getting those types of looks, he's going to be a 43% three-point shooter. And because he's not quite that, I, I think that is a substantial reason why the Knicks were comfortable moving off him because if not it's just I I don't I almost don't care how much better you're getting day of if you view yourself as a championship contender and your best player is is a shoot first not a lot of defense guard in Jalen Brunson you want someone who's a great defender and a great three-point shooter but no questions about his defense and and I think offensively again the baseline is someone who's super valuable for you and and in this NBA you're probably paying something like 14 15 million dollars a year for the upside is like a really elite Danny Green type of role player. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophies, also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you'll get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers at ebaymotors.com. Fair enough. We can we can move on to your you guys' guy Alec Burks, who you uh, you just traded to the Pistons a few years ago. And now mm-hmm. went and brought him back. You, what questions do you got about Burks? 
Yeah, it's it's, it's the reburking in New York. Um, <laughs> I I almost don't know what to ask you because me me and Alex were joking after that first game. We were like, "Wow, it, it just feels like we got transported back to back to 2022, and 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 no time has passed." And you you just you look like the same old Alec Burks. So they made some crazy shots, made some terrible decisions. So I I guess what I like the two things I want to know about him. One, um, like how much work did he get on the ball for the Pistons? Because the the main need for the Knicks coming into the deadline was just more creation in their second unit. And and to what you said earlier, Bojan's obviously going to be able to bring that from a scoring perspective, but in terms of a creating shots for others, he won't be great. Like we, we did just two years ago, watch something like 30 games of Burks play point guard while Emmanuel quickly rotted on the bench. And that wasn't a super fun experience, but I'm curious if he's kind of continued getting reps doing that. And if you think he could handle like running a second unit for short stretches. And short, uh, the short answer is no. If oh, okay. I, I would not let him run uh, your offense in the second unit. Um, the thing is, is that Boyan and Burks kind of are both like the same, same criticisms and same like strengths. They're going to score. They're crafty scores. They're not going to defend, and they're not going to play make for others. They're not going to make good passes. Burks is probably just as bad of a, pa- or at least has been just as bad of a passer as Boyan. He uh, there there was multiple moments this year, like um, on numerous occasions. This wasn't like a one one at a time, you know, shacked in the full kind of thing. There there, there was mo- multiple numerous moments where he would pick the ball up and and go throw a corner pass and like throw it over the guy. Like by like he, five, he did that games. literally the next <laughs> first game. He threw it right out of bounds and he yes. just kind of looked at the <laughs> yeah, guy's like, "Where are you supposed to be there?" <laughs> <laughs> he just throws it like. And there's times where he just throws it into empty space, and then there's times where he just like throws it over people by like ten feet. So it's just yeah. like it, it, when he does pass, it's almost like don't pass. Just you're here to score. Just try to shoot the ball, and then sometimes he'll take like the most insane shot possible, and you're like, "Why didn't you pass?" It's like a it's 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 a double-edged sword that you got to deal with because sometimes he does just go absolutely nuclear and just hit some of the most insane shots of all time like he he'll just he'll hit some there was legit games in the last month the Pistons won three games I, I three or four games the last month mm. and like at least two or three of them was only because Alec Burks dropped like 35 off the bench like it was it was it, he would come in the come into the game and just go scorch the earth. He he would just like back to back threes, pull up threes. It would just he has that cre- it has that scoring uh creation. I'm sure some you guys already know about that. He's able to have stretches where he just goes on fire. He turns into human and torch. Um does I again, I I guess my question is then it's like are you guys are the Knicks looking for just simply shot creation? Because if it's just simply shot creation and scoring gravity and that kind of stuff, they should be able to provide that. Uh, Boyan obviously infinitely more so. Uh, Boyan, the shots Boyan creates are all going to look like easy shots to him. He, he rarely is Boyan going to take a shot that looks like a one a tough shot or two a shot that he doesn't think he could make. Like it's going to be good. It's just going to be a matter of Boyan missed. Um, I, I know I'm kind of describing to sound like KD out here, but I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. It, he, rarely is he going to take a bad shot that he feels like, oh, I didn't have a chance at that one. Now, Bo, Burks, he's going to take shots. There's going to be multiple shots he takes a game. You're just like, dude. What was that? And there's going to be probably like three to four shots a game he's going to take that either one he's going to get foul on or he's not going to get one. He's going to ask for one. It's going to, he's going to foul grift. Either that night the refs are going to give him the foul calls or they're not, and you're going to have four missed shots in four empty possessions. So if it's just scoring 
creation, and I think you guys got what you needed. If it's anything, if it's like more than scoring creation at all, I I think you should pump the brakes a little bit. And I saw, I don't know, I did see quite a few Knicks fans tweet after the first game, like, what the hell is Bo-? Like, I already saw some fans. Like, like I, 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 I was saw- one of them, cool. I was one of them. <laughs> I already yeah, saw some was, fans freaking out like, dude, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the first game was like literally everything you're talking about should be playing over a montage of, of his highlights and, and lowlights um, of, of that in, initial voyage against the Pacers, like with dramatic Titanic style music in the background, because that's that that is that's what it was like. He he had three threes in a row to bring them back in, but only after he looked off Boyan, ironically enough, like I was like, these two should have chemistry wide open in the corner. Burks is like, screw it. I'm first percentile in the league at the rim. Let me let me dribble in and take a floater over over three guys. So I think but like where my gears are turning here is I almost wonder if Burks is just not going to be in the playoff rotation. The Knicks are going to stick with Deuce McBride and he's he's going to be the guy running things there. Um, just because I, I don't know if they could afford to play both those guys at the same time is where the Knicks have been so good post this trade is that the ball is popping around the perimeter. They went from a team that was like pretty much dead last in assist rate the whole year to, to top 10 post the OG and an OB trade. And I, I, I think they want some of that ISO style back. It helps you keep turnovers down, but I don't know if you want to play both those guys substantial minutes for the time being with all the injuries though, they absolutely need Alec Burks. All right. Very last thing uh, can be super quick, but where, where was he at as a defender in, in Detroit? Because I thought he was pretty solidly average in New York. And I think that was part of the appeal of getting him over um, maybe some of the other guys the Knicks considered who are, who are pretty morbid on that end of the floor. Do you think the description of average still holds up to him? Or, or do you think he declined at all as he, as he kind of heads into his early to mid-30s? I, 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 it's just another situation where it's like maybe if he's on a better team, he'll yeah. be better. But I wouldn't characterize him as an average defender with Detroit. I think he was a more active one than Boyan. Um, you'll see him make more rotations than Boyan will. Um, like on an X out closeout, you'll see him do those. I, I I can I can think of multiple possessions where I can see Burks making those. Um, but he's also just not he's he's not uh, at least with Detroit he wasn't that good of a defender. Um, okay. Which again, this is why I was just like I, I was questioning whether why the Knicks would want both Burks and Boyan because they're both at least with Detroit was not good defenders. Um, but with Burks, yeah, I, I would say, I, I'd say he gives more effort and maybe, ca- or at least acted as though as so he cared a little bit more defensively than Boyan. So there's hope with that one. Boyan, I think you're just toast. I, I don't think there's any coming back to Boyan. I think Boyan's like done defensively completely. Like on yeah. ball, Every now and then, if you go against another European, he'll he'll turn it up and he'll he'll be ready. He'll be absolutely All right, ready. We got we got to throw him on Porzingis. Let's go. <laughs> he'll be ready to go. But Burks, um, there might be just because he was more attentive with Detroit. But I don't know. I I would not bet on it at all. Um, I do want to ask you just a quick question. Then we sure, wrap yeah. it up. What's up with the Knicks not giving the first round pick back? I like I I keep what I understand. What I've heard is that <laughs> what I've heard is that the Knicks know. They're likely never going to use that pick, but they also know the Pistons desperately want it. So they're going to hold it over Detroit until Detroit desperately gets like does something desperate to get it back. And, and they tried to do it at the deadline with it, but Weaver wasn't budging. It's like, is this, is this going to be a cat and mouse game? Is it going to be a game of chicken for like three years until that pick goes into seconds or what? 
Well, welcome, welcome to the Leon Rose regime, my guy. Now, nothing, no, no inch of turf is is spared easily. This is this is war. This is a battle hardened agent. I've, I you might have watched a guy get killed before. Like he is ready <laughs> to grind this out. And honestly, like I, I think it was it was probably mostly a money thing that it was Grimes instead of a first round pick. But it could have also been as simple as like he thought the Pistons pick was a better asset than Quentin Grimes, which like I would. I'd probably push back on a little bit just because I like crimes, but you always hear like, like a, a pick is more valuable than the player it turns into. And and even more so when that player is on his second contract and, and he's good, but, but maybe not great. So I think, I think that's where Leon Rose was at and they're, they're going to try to turn that pick into a star or to your point, the Pistons want to want to go crazy and give, give up something better down the road. The Knicks are, are, are more than willing to, to wait that out. I think, I think would be my summary of it. Well, uh, we'll see how long it goes. I know in like two, three years, it turns into multiple seconds. So the Knicks need to, and it's pretty heavily protected too. I think it's like 16, top 16 protected next year or 14 protected. So I don't it know. It goes down to 12, I think is as low as it goes. But that, that's a little, that might be optimistic. But. Right. I, I think, I think maybe 2025 is the best chance it, it converts, but we'll see what happens. All right, we will reconvene at that point. Uh, Kuka Heel locked on Pistons uh, and everyone, uh, Check him out there, wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, for all of our Pistons listeners tuning in, uh, check us out on Locked on Knicks, wherever you can find podcasts and on YouTube. Um, but until next time, or maybe, maybe when that pick finally convinces, he's cool. I'm Gavin. We'll talk to you very, very soon on Locked on Knicks and Locked on Pistons.